sometime. The woman is nameless, a Jane Doe patient, sucking on cigarettes, a face picture postcard vacant. She sleeps all day and smokes all night. She hovers across the tan carpet, glowing like an angel, tranquilized, eyes shrunken in size, sunken inside, translucent skin coiled with electrical wire. She speaks no words, utters no sound, only the tiniest of whimpers as she sleeps unsound. She was left on the stone steps thirty years past. The door opened as the car skidded off fast, the gravel crunching and the dust kicking up, bin bagged by a lap, hair lank, her gaze fixed on a faraway spot. The nurses made some calls, no ID, no name to call, the missing person, only a Jane Doe. A black bag yielded some clues, the nurses had a rifle through, what could they lose? A picture of a boy no more than seven years old, a dark mop of hair swept across his head, his eyes big and brown above a goofy grin, a smaller photo tucked into the rim, the same boy much older, his eyes beady and set, the grin has gone replaced with a stubborn tightening of the jawline, that picture and two young girls. Plain Jane's both about twelve. A story emerged in fits and starts over the years in broken parts, pieced together in rare and lucid times, a puzzle for the curious mind, left on the steps by her ungrateful child, her oldest grown feral and wild. She had raised them single-handed when the British father had departed, it's what life demanded, not what she would have wanted. She arrived in London at 16, dreams of art and poetry and love and romance, teenage dreams. But she somehow squired this man, working part-time in a pub, paying for art classes, their eyes met over frothing pint glasses. She figured it a fling and nothing more, but fell pregnant soon and in a year was married with a boy and a house and a gruff and distant spouse. She made the best of it. Two more children followed. She put her dreams aside to focus on the steps her kids would follow. She would teach them about art and life and love and boy they would burn so bright. The brute grew more distant and angry, not a father to the children, not a husband or a friend. He would spend evenings and weekends at the pub, surrounded by a thug of smoke and a circle of women. She knew but she shrugged it off. She set her eyes on what she needed to, two girls and a boy that needed her like no one had ever done before. The brute was gone for weeks before she noticed and she heard from a neighbour he'd shacked up with someone else. She was carrying his child. Even this bombshell didn't faze her. She moved on with the remainder of her family and vowed to be the best she could. But this desire to plough on, admirable as it was, was a foolish masquerade. She failed to spot the signs of the seed sown. Her oldest boy was cut from the same cloth as his dad, with a brooding kind of sadness that sat heavy in his soul and showed itself by acts of cruelty manifold. He was big for his age, strong, but a bully with a dark heart that was beating the bitterest blood for his mother at his parents' demise. A resentment formed and grew and would show itself to the shocked few. He was already on his path before she knew and when she realised it was too late. She was sitting on the stone steps watching him drive away. Her daughters grew to be vacuous and they viewed their mother's kindness as a weakness to be pitied. By 14, the twins had taken exclusively to their rooms they would smoke and coldly mock each other and everyone they knew. They were cruelly aloof. One summer's day she returned home laden with bags to find her oldest working his way through a box of fags. She began to recount in detail some weak anecdote from her day. She had taken to filling the silences with petty banalities, mere trivialities, the meaningless stuff that people say that would bore even boredom to tears. Her story lasted long enough to unpack the bags. She turned and found her oldest had moved from the table to two feet away. He was eyeing her with his usual disregard, but something menacing was at the heart. A desire, a wish to inflict pain and punish, 
as he saw it a great injustice. She had never seen his eyes so black and she was startled at that. The silence crowded in quickly. She clawed desperately to think of something, anything to fill this awful stillness. But she didn't need to worry because he was shaping up to speak. I'm moving out, he said, as he blew smoke from his cigarette. I'm moving in with Dad. Then he stepped in closer, an inch from her face, his voice a whisper, her mouth agape. I want you to know that I never want to see or hear from you again. She couldn't meet his gaze. He let out a bitter chuckle, and his parting words were weapons grade spite. You're an absolute disgrace. And he was right. She crumbled to the floor, and there she stayed as the sun went down and the shadows grew around her. Her eyes fixed on a point somewhere no one else could see. The twins returned at some point, laughing, and went straight up the stairs. Our Jane Doe took to her bed for days, and the twins never once bothered or noticed her malaise. The brute had moved in two streets away. Somehow, he'd stolen her kids. This thought played like a loop in her head and sat like an elephant on her chest, and there she stayed in her bed for days, a fugue stay. Her fingernails grew, her hair matted and long, her teeth were yellowing like old newsprint. Time grew loose and fluid, began to hold no meaning. She had filled her life with routines and without these, the order to her days was replaced with a vacuum and in this vacant space, time had no place. The children were now living full time with a brute and they mentioned Jane's predicament in passing and attempt to scorn and show allegiance and please. They regaled the tale of how Jane was locked away in her room. She hasn't been out for days upon days. She's gone proper mental, Dad. They laughed like Jane's. But the brute didn't even smile because a plan was forming to get her out and get the house by any means at all but where to take her i think you know on a cold december morning 5am without warning nothing in the street but elongated shadows like nosferatu creeping gnarled and misshapen as they seemed to waken detach themselves from the concrete and lift the latch on the squeaking metal gate into the house two figures the brute and the boy the brute gave the order go and wake her up he whispered before tossing some photos in a bin bag, a rare show of heart. Jane was roused easily. Most nights, she laid in a state between dream and awake, waiting and wishing for the light to return to her days. The curtains always opened a sliver so she could watch the sunrise and hope this would be the day. In the dark, a figure approached, put his arm round her shoulder and said, It's okay, Mum. It's me. She'd grown old in the short time he'd left. He felt, he felt a flicker of something. Regret? Before he knew, she was all over him, her hands in his hair, on his face. I knew you'd come back. I knew you would. Her eyes met at that point, and he held her gaze. For what seemed like days, he dropped his eyes from her face, cupped his hand under her arm and said, I need to go. She didn't struggle. Not at all. She seemed to lean into him, and this almost killed him. He surprised himself at the way he was feeling, how gentle he was being. Softly coaxing her to the gas chamber, the hangman, the rooftop. Now he was reeling. What a time to discover some semblance of humanity, he scoffed in his head. His father's voice, all blunt force led, as he walked with her one step at a time, down the stairs to the car outside. Through the front door, for the last time. Into the ragged morning air and blue light, the smoke billowing and circling from the car idling. Into the back seat they travelled with her hand in his. No one more surprised than him at this. He tried to avoid his dad's gaze in the mirror. 
his cold black eyes as cold as the winter. Jane watched the streets flash by out the window, a tiny little smile playing on her lips, her eyes a flicker of her former self, the fire still burning somewhere inside, not yet gone out, just hiding in plain sight. Before she knew, the streets had turned to trees, the kind that soar high up and tower over thee. She checked to see if her hand was still resting in the palm of her son's, but he had pulled away. He knew what he'd become. They came suddenly to a stop. The driver exited and opened her door. He grabbed her by the arm, taking the sea to the shore. He walked her to the stone steps and the door. He sat her down. He rang the bell. He walked away. The soft crunching underfoot a reminder of better days. By the time the intercom crackled into life, they'd already driven away.